Greetings and salutations, listener. Welcome to another edition of the Coco and Dolls podcast, where real people doing real reviews. And have we got a doozy lined up for you today, listener. Coco, tell us what we've got coming on. Well, first of all, I'm not Dolls. And I'm not Coco. (laughs) So what we have today is a fresh out the oven Netflix original docuseries called Murder Among the Mormons. It was released today, if you are listening in real time, which why wouldn't you? It's three parts. March 3rd, by the way. It's three parts. Uh, The first episode is 45 minutes. The next two episodes are just about an hour apiece. It concerns... Three bombings that occurred in Salt Lake City in the fall of 1985. Uh, The bombings were linked to... So apparently there is a cottage industry in Utah of early Mormon artifacts and documents being collected. Who knew that? And the bombings were related to some documents and collectibles of that nature that... Spoiler alert turned out to be forgeries. Oh. So, yeah, so three parts, Murder Among the Mormons. Uh, I tried not to spoil too much there, Daltz, because I know Daltz doesn't especially like spoilers as much as I do. So, Well, I'm sure also listener doesn't like spoilers either. It's like, why would I watch it if you're going to tell me what's going to happen? Well, nobody is listening, so it doesn't really matter. L- listener is. <laughs> listener is listening. Listener is. Do you have anything to add to the summary, Daltz? No, it was spectacular. Stop. So what did you think of Murder Among the Mormons? Oh, that's it? I thought you were going to do more. No, I mean, I can't, if I don't want to give away who did it, I can't really go into much more detail than that, I don't think. All right. So, bombings, you can ha- you can mayhem, yeah. Mormon, uh, Mormonism, we're in Salt Lake City. It's very confusing and very enlightening. I, um, so, I like doing these kinds of documentaries because I learn something about an aspect of life that I don't know anything about. Mormonism is one of those things. I don't, I have, uh, you know, a glancing knowledge of it, like most people probably. Never been to Utah. Don't know what's going on there. And uh, I learned a little bit about the faith and its organization, uh, but I also learned about a crime that I had no idea had gone on. So I, 1985, I was older than Coco, but younger than I am now. So I was uh, not aware of these kinds of things. And it was a very enlightening and interesting uh, look at that crime and the recreation. Three episodes, like you said, very easily digestible, uh, very uh, very well done, very well crafted. The filmmakers were are both uh, of the Mormon faith. Um, and so I was interested to know that because it's actually a bit of a, an objective viewpoint on that. It's not really all how great it is or how terrible it is, just kind of hear the facts and let's go with it. So that was an interesting part of it. Um, the crime itself was pretty heinous. Yeah. Uh, planting pipe bombs that had nails uh, plant, uh, taped to them so that they would act as shrapnel. And these people that died, died in horrific, horrible ways in a place that has very little crime to begin with, especially in the 80s. Um, not not exactly like you're in uh, 1980s. Uh, Beirut. Beirut or even New York in the right. 80s. Like it's just... It's a pretty peaceful place. So this was a pretty awful crime. Um, I think that the laying out of the facts were done well. Uh, I thought that the interviews were pretty compelling. There's one guy in there who was very emotional. He was like, they talked to a lot of the main suspects, friends and colleagues. And uh, so I think overall, really, it was well done. But there are some holes. Before I go into the holes, Coco... (laughs) 
tell me and listener what you thought of the documentary. So I enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy, as I've said before, real people dying and their deaths being used as entertainment. Um, I thought the filmmakers did do a really good job of presenting everything objectively. I was surprised when you just now said that they are Mormons Mm -hmm. because I didn't get that sense at all that they were trying to sugarcoat anything, especially the fact that... um, some of the documents that the LDS church were interested in buying maybe did not paint the church in a flattering light or they were contradictory to established church history and dogma and the church would just buy that stuff up and bury it. They Mm -hmm. would just put it in their vault and nobody would ever be allowed to see it and they would cover it up. And I thought the filmmakers did a good job of not sugarcoating that. So I was surprised just now when you said they're actually Mormon. And the uh, names of the filmmakers, by the way, Tyler Meesum and Jared Hesch. I actually thought it was a British crew because it was a, a BBC yeah. production. So I was like, oh, yeah, of course, British people are going to come in and they're not going <laughs> to. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really good. Like you, I thought the interviews were extremely compelling. It reminded me of the Challenger docuseries where the people who worked for Morton Thiokol in, strangely enough, Utah, they <laughs> knew that, you know, 35 years later, they're still really broken up about what happened. They still feel a tremendous amount of guilt. And a lot of the people who were interviewed were, you know, friends and colleagues and associates of the person who committed the crime. And one of the guys even said, like, I wish I hadn't been born because I'm the one who introduced this person to one of the victims. And I wish I hadn't been born and that never would have happened. So So heartbreaking. Yeah, totally. Um, So they were all really compelling. Uh, In the first episode... This person was finding so many documents that I was like, this guy has to be a forger. Yeah. I mean, but then in the second episode, they kind of got away from that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, there's no way this guy is finding this much stuff. And then in the third episode, so the first two episodes were really the crimes and what happened and this whole explanation of like church memorabilia being a hot ticket in Utah. And then the third episode was just... This is the person who did it. This is kind of his family background. This is the fallout that happened among all the people. He, you know, his family, his family, his friends, his associates, not to mention the victims' families. And I enjoyed that as well um, because we're always saying in documentaries or docu-series, I wish there had been more focus on this person's particular like psychology and pathology and what caused them to do this. And we even watched a uh, an old docu-series. We finished it up last night, and there was nothing at the end that said, this is what happened to all these people, just no words flashing up on the screen. And I said to Daltz when that was over, I wish we would have had that so we would know where these people are now. And the third episode, I felt really wrapped up. Mm-hmm all of that really nicely. So I enjoyed that. I felt like three episodes was really good. I felt like nothing really, you could tell the second and third episodes were longer because Mm -hmm. they were longer. And so, you know, the first one you whip through in 45 minutes and then the next two are each an hour. So you could tell that they felt longer, but not like, oh my God, is this not over yet? Mm -hmm. Like I'm dying. So. Well, I think there's a certain amount of talent to open a series with 45 minutes and then close with two longer episodes because you think that the first episode would be the longer one because you've got to establish the characters. Mm -hmm. You've got to establish the plot, uh, so to speak. You've got to establish what the story is in this case. 
And I thought it was very well done, the fact that it really teased us. And after that first one, I was like, yeah, I, I could watch more of this. I'm interested mm-hmm. in this. Um, just for a bit of uh, context, when I said Jared Hess was involved, he's a filmmaker. He is the brainchild or the, the mastermind behind Napoleon Dynamite. I've never seen Napoleon Dynamite. So that's where we are. And the other guy is the, is the documentarian. So the two of them got together on this. And this was executive produced by Joel uh, Berlinger, who is behind Crime Scene and the Ted Bundy tapes. Are we sure that the Napoleon Dynamite guy is the actual Napoleon Dynamite guy? It's not a guy with the same name? It says that right in the story that I just read. Wow, okay. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's also like... A couple Russos floating around yeah, with the right. same name as the Russo brothers, but it's not the Russo brothers. So you're like, oh, it's the guy from the Avengers, but it's really not. It's so, a different Russo. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of different minds coming together on this. Um, we reviewed Crime Scene in a previous uh, podcast, and I don't think that this particular docu-series uh, suffered from the same things that no. the other one did. This one was was tight. It was compelling. It was three episodes. Um, there wasn't a lot of sensationalism. And I also liked the uh, the recreations were not as cheesy as some in other right. documentaries that we've mm-hmm. watched. I mean, they were very brief and they were almost like just of necessity. They're almost like transitional. Whereas there, a lot of the other ones that we've seen have been hokey and cartoony and that sort of thing. There was one scene in the second episode where it's uh, the the guy who committed the crime and then one of his friends who was one of the guys who was interviewed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the 80s. So they're tooling around Salt Lake and this, you know. Toyota MR2. Right. This totally 80s rad sports car. Mm-hmm. And they're... They one of them has like an Uzi out the window and like they're out in the desert and they're shooting stuff and they both have like the totally eighties hair hairdos mm-hmm. and the clothing and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I that was the cheesiest thing in the whole thing, but I freaking loved it because it was so of the time. It honestly felt to me like uh, when Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller did like Starsky and Hutch. Right. It kind of had that vibe too. <laughs> well, and it doesn't stick out. Like you're thinking, well, this is a Mormon documentary about bombs, and how is this? Right. How is this possible to fit into this documentary? But, but it, it actually totally did. did. Yeah. It fit into the spirit of that particular <laughs> yeah. moment in the documentary when they were talking to the, a couple of the people, and the interviews went in that direction. So it actually mm-hmm. was contextually good. You don't want to fabricate that kind of feeling right. in this kind of documentary. Um, so there was a lot of uh, bits and pieces along the way. The holes that I would say. Um, there were some overly dramatic pauses, and there were some odd editing choices in terms of black screen, white screen transitions that uh, that I didn't really, I wondered almost like if they were an editing glitch or if our, you know, internet was waffling <laughs> at some point, our Wi-Fi was down. Um, but those are really minor points. I think that overall, this was a really well done documentary. And I like, again, the brevity of it. I think Definitely. that this could have been, this very easily could have been extended to eight episodes. Oh, yeah, totally. With the amount of detail and the amount of events and the things that we needed to learn. It didn't go into, it wasn't a treatise on antique documents, which we didn't need. I mean, there was just enough information there to find out about it. You didn't really, we got into Mormonism and we got into the Latter-day Saints and we got into... Uh, Joseph Smith and and the founding of it. We got enough of that to know what was going on, but we didn't get down and talk to 15 people from the particular church or anything like that. Like it was just, it was 
the, the editing was done really well in that regard. And there was a lot of really good choices. And I can I, imagine that all those interviews that they did with those people, you can imagine how much stuff was on the right. cutting room floor, you know, the virtual cutting room floor. And they'd made some really good choices there too. Like everything chugged along pretty well. So I was pretty impressed. And I, I got to tell you that if, if something is three episodes long and I know that going in, I'm going to be, I'm going to be more, uh, excited enthusiastic about it than if it's an eight or ten part right. or something like that so, oh i gotta sit here for another four episodes mm-hmm. whereas this one is like yeah i'm ready i'm ready bring it on and we binged it and we're now more informed people as a result <laughs> yeah i thought the filmmakers did a really good job um early on of establishing how the antiques market around these things you know came to be mm-hmm. um you know because that's a culture that I, you know, a lot of people don't know anything about. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought they did a really good job of explaining that, at least to me as an outsider. Like yeah. maybe somebody who's actually Mormon or has, you know, close Mormon friends or family might be like, they didn't really do a very good job of that. But for me, I felt like I at least understood it. Yeah. As opposed to being like, why is this a big deal? Like, yeah. you know, all, all these people are like slinging around like letters signed by Joseph Smith's wife or something. Yeah. Like what? You know, I, some of the criticisms I've seen in the early, early criticisms of this release are that it didn't go into depth enough about Mormonism and didn't go into depth enough about the antique documents stuff and everything, and rare books and rare documents. I, I really thought it was fine. I, th- I don't need, an, an, if I want to see information on those things, I'm going to watch a documentary on those things. Right. Like we didn't need another episode on the history of Mormonism. No, no. Or, or even another 15 or 20 minutes. I mean, right. <laughs> like the, what they provided in that was, and I'm not being disrespectful to the religion, but it's just, that was enough for the context of this particular piece of, uh, of art. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a shout out to the props master mm-hmm. for this docu series because they got all the old yeah. like tube TVs yeah. and you know the Velcro tennis shoes from the mid eighties and the landlines and everything looked like my childhood. Yeah, like the recreations were done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. they were they were done in such a way. Like I said, they were very well done mm-hmm. and very uh, strategically placed. Uh, and the ones that they did do, like you said, Coco had great props. I mean, yeah. I was thinking about that uh, antique bedspread of your mother, of your grandmother's, I should say, that we've been trying to get rid of to a movie props place. <laughs> right. I was like, this is an example of that. It's like, I'm sure that at one point in, in time, mm-hmm. my parents had a phone just like the one that was yeah. in that, or the TV that was in there that you walked up to and pushed the buttons to right. change the channel. <laughs> and the old answering machine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I also um, really, I mean, it's like, wow, the 80s was 40 years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. So all of this stuff existed. Like they had news clips from yeah. like the local Salt Lake yep. news shows. And uh, one of the, the very first victim, they still had like his answering machine messages right. from like the morning that he died. So mm-hmm. they played those. And, you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, you're stepping back in time. And it's like, oh, my God, look at how cheesy that is. But it was really great to see all that like first yeah. firsthand stuff from the time. And especially from a time when there was no internet and there was right. no digital archive or anything like that. Like everything we're looking at is analog mm-hmm. and all that footage that you mentioned, I, that's a good point. I'm glad, glad you raised that is that I was astounded at some of the stuff that they dug up. I mean, a lot of it is old newscasts, which is probably easy to find in the archives of these stations mm-hmm. that are existing. But at the same time, it takes a lot of work to find. Like you can imagine how many hours of tape right. that they went through, like actual tape. Yeah. That's not digital <laughs> stuff. That's tape. 
tape that this they is, went through, the researchers went through and the filmmakers went through to get all that footage that we have. This is like us when we were kids going through like the microfiche in the library. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we just lost a listener who is probably 25 or under. I know. Listener is, you know, at home with like the Android going like, <laughs> what? You know? What is microfiche anyway? Right, totally. I, uh, I will also say that the strength of, of this is... Uh, is the strength of omission as well in that because it's based in the 80s. We didn't have all this cheesy 80s music. Like right. this would not have fit at all. You didn't have to place it within the 80s. Like you said, they had all the props and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then the footage, like you, right. you knew it was the 80s. And the, and the 80s in Utah are not the 80s in some parts of the rest <laughs> of the country, right? So um, I think that the filmmakers did a really good job. It just straight up, here is what it is. Here's the... Here are the facts. Here's the story. Here's the presentation. Here's the resolution. The end. Like, it's just in and out. Really good. Really well done. So what grade would you give Murder Among the Mormons? I would like to also uh, say it in, in a different voice. I want to repeat murder. So it, Murder Among the Mormons. How do you not have any voice acting jobs with a voice like that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so out of 10, I would rate this probably a seven, a solid seven, maybe a seven and a half. Uh, Coco, what would you give it for your letter grade? I'd say I'd give it probably about a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like you said, it was tight. There didn't feel like there was any extraneous information. Mm-hmm. I liked the interviews. I liked the props. The subject matter was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I directly compare this to the crime scene that we saw with the, uh, hotel thing and it's just the hotel could have been so much better yeah and if it had been with this kind of approach uh-huh. i think that that one would have really been a singer too like it was it was good but the material was just it was just almost like you put everything in the film and this one you could tell there was other stuff that they didn't say but that was good and that was another thing about this as well is i can only think of one maybe two instances where they repeated something right that we had heard earlier like right. we saw a tape uh, a clip from like a news program Mm -hmm. that we had seen in the second episode and there there wasn't a whole lot of that in this so it wasn't repetitive by any means it's not like i already know that great move along well and also when you're looking at a three episode series i think a lot of people will take the approach a lot of directors and filmmakers will take the approach that you're going to binge watch that. There's a yeah. very good chance that you're going to watch all of that in a row mm-hmm. because that was how many, like less than three hours we yeah. watched it, right? So mm-hmm. on a sunny uh, March day <laughs> uh, when we're stuck inside, it was an easy binge. Whereas some of the other ones I can understand if you're repeating from you know an eight episode series, you want to repeat something that was in episode two because uh-huh. you're on episode six and maybe people forgot. But I think people more and more, filmmakers more and more have to realize that we're binge watching a lot of these things so you don't need to repeat yourself. Totes. And if there is this, if there's a problem in terms of B-roll and you you need some recreation stuff, then that should indicate that maybe you shouldn't be using it and just tighten that sucker up a little bit. Coming from noted filmmaker adults, yes, advice to the to the whippersnappers, as as you will see by the many Oscars that I have <laughs> exhibited and Golden Globes, as we say. <laughs> All right. Anything uh, Anything else you want to add? No, other than you're awesome. And we'll be ha- having way more uh, content coming up, listeners. So stay tuned. We got a crazy march coming up, listener. Yeah. So keep, if you haven't subscribed, please do so because we've got nonstop stuff coming at you. Share, like, and shake your head yes or no if you like it. <laughs> so for another episode, thanks for listening. I'm not Dalt. And I'm not Coco. <laughs> <laughs>